Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just the Two of Us podcast. We're not sure how you ended up here, but you wandered into my garage, and we wandered into your ear holes. Yes, welcome back. Uh, you know the deal, it's Just the Two of Us. My name is John. I am Nate. And tonight, we have a special guest. Ooh. Dr. Caitlin Listed. Caitlin is a chiropractor, local business owner, and a mother to three young boys. And our children, Nate's children, and Caitlin's children all go to school together. And that is how, I guess, we all originally met. Welcome in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Nate, you have children. I do. Two of them. A number of them. Yeah, I think I think the last time I counted, there was two. So these children rely on you for their nutrition? Absolutely. Maybe planning that out? Yep. They rely on you to help them with their schoolwork yeah and to develop their tiny peanut brains their little peanut brains uh, you have to guide them right yeah i think they're mushy right away yeah okay well and that's why we invited caitlin in tonight she's going to shed some light on that because i think the more information we can gather the better we can help them develop their mushy brains <laughs> yes <laughs> like play-doh we need to just form them you know <laughs> we need to form it so caitlin how early should we start thinking about the things we're doing with these children as far as developing their tiny mushy brains uh how early would you think about it i think in your pregnancy you guys don't really have too no, much work not with my that pregnancy no, but the mom either. does sure and then once they're born it's mostly just like yeah from that moment on how they develop and how they communicate when they're a baby is through touch so okay. for dads, the number one thing that they can help out with is just holding, touching, sure, you know, taking care of the baby, changing the diapers, doing baths. You know, that's a good way to connect with them. Okay. And that, like, skin-to-skin -skin contact is huge, yes. correct? Yeah. Yep, it helps them regulate their breathing, their okay. temperature, you know, their even their stress level. Whenever, mm. if, if you have a colicky or fussy baby, if you skin-to-skin -skin with them, like, 20 minutes a day, yep. then that'll help calm them down. Oh, cool. They, you're their home base. Yeah, sure. I could see that. Mm -hmm. And that's a, like a scent thing, a smell thing too? Yeah, yep. okay. scent and like like their skin, their proprioception and everything, that's how they communicate with the world. So hmm. if they feel safe and connected, then they'll be happier. Can I revisit that word? Yeah. What was it? Proprioception. Yeah. Um, that's like how where your body is in space. So oh. yeah, like how your joints know where your body is in space is your proprioception, how you feel. Your spatial awareness. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. Not your facial hairness, Nate. No. <laughs> Which needs to go, by the way. <laughs> um, so as they continue to grow, yep. what are some things that we can help them out with to maybe help develop um, how they move and, mm -hmm. and set them on the right path? Uh, biggest thing under one is tummy time. Okay. Hmm. And tummy time for like itty bitty babies, like one to three months is not necessarily them laying flat on the floor and just doing nothing. Um, it's actually sometimes on parents' tummy. So it's tummy mm. to tummy. Mm -hmm. um, you also can do your skin to skin contact at that time. And then also like, I like to do those big birthing balls that all of us women had to buy. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you can do tummy time on that and you can like roll the baby while you're holding them and like do something different. Um, they can kind of be propped up a little bit when they're that little. Sure. So you can roll a towel or sometimes they use boppies to kind of go underneath them. But that being on their tummy and giving them the opportunity to like learn and grow and roll and crawl are your two biggest things for your brain development. 
Okay. And at the same time, physically developing, you know, muscles, joints, ligaments, is that all happening at that young age? Yes. Yeah. The very first curve that you develop is your cervical curve with one in your neck. And that's when they lift their head up. So when they're babies, they're curled into this nice little cocoon ball. And then the whole year is just, I call it the great year of unfolding because all they do is go from that ball all the way into a walking human. Yeah. And it happens in one year. So it's super fast. And they have to do a lot of brain development to get to that point. Sure. Yeah, because as that body develops, that brain's got to follow it too to be able to control that body as it grows, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and even so like sometimes if things go awry or different um, and they're not doing like a typical crawling pattern, you can actually follow it back to the hemisphere of the brain that's not growing as fast as the other side. So like if their right leg, you know, tucks underneath them when they crawl and they push off their toes, then you can look more into like the opposite side of the brain. To see, you know, and you can actually stimulate it via their senses. So, you know, okay. touch, feel. Um. My youngest was that way. He had his right foot mm-hmm. was good at crawling and his left foot would kind of just tuck in under it. Yes. <laughs> and yep. it ne- I don't think it ever, he ever went to like a full crawl. Mm-hmm. Like he always did that little boot scoot. Yep. And they, they also have things called primitive reflexes. So sometimes when that shows up, those are still pre- present and they're supposed to go away by the time they turn one or by the time they crawl. Okay. Um, what their job was was to just help the baby go through the birth canal into the world is what okay. a primitive reflex was. Hmm. And when you're in any type of birth, everybody checks them right after they're there to make sure they're present both on each side. And then while they go through that whole first year, they kind of go away and diminish. But if we don't do things with the baby, if they don't move, if they don't have um, we, out of the containers is what I kind of call it, yep. the like car seats and the um, yeah. bombos and stuff. If you yep. put them in containers, they don't have the opportunity to move their body. Sure. And then that doesn't diminish that pr- primitive reflex. And okay. then it's still there. So sometimes things like that show up. Gotcha. And as far as tummy time goes, is is it like um, there's not too much tummy time? No, definitely not. Nope. They Just, can go. I mean, at, by the time they reach six months, they should be on their tummy the um, the majority of the day, like 90% of their day. Okay. And that's about the same time, six months, that's when they're kind of sitting up too, right? And yep. gaining that sort of balance. Mm-hmm. They set, try to go from those hands and knees to the seated, the seated position. That's also when you start to feed them because they can be able to sit up by themselves. Sure, so like eating solid foods and crawling and sitting all happen around the six month time frame. And, you know, like you give or take a couple months on both sides. Cool. Is there something to be said about uh, like a baby that's born early? Mm-hmm. Would they develop just a little bit slower? Yeah, that's it. They kind of do an adapted, you know, like milestone chart for them and they mm-hmm. base it off of like when they were born. So like they okay. get a little extra time, especially preemie babies, yeah. um, just because they either didn't get the time inside. And so we're mostly working on like lung development and, you know, just survival in general. Yeah, right, right. Um, we're not worried about them doing their tummy time necessarily. I mean, they do a lot of skin to skin and that will help them with their tummy, but their yeah. developmental is pushed back a lot. So like if you have a two month old preemie or a two month old early born child their six month crawling will be more like around eight months sure and they kind of just push it back however much more you were early okay but eventually they catch up yes exactly what yep. their peers are doing sure. mm-hmm. i mean i would say after like the first two or three years sure. i mean they might be smaller their size kind of stays smaller for a little bit but then you know when they're like five you wouldn't even yeah really tell hmm. hey caitlin yes you're a chiropractor i am you own uh, and operate innovative chiropractic. Yes, I do. So, what you specialize in uh, is like 
children, right? Yeah, pediatric heart pediatric, There we go. Yep. Okay. Yep. There was no way that word was going to come into my brain. <laughs> it was really trying hard, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when parents are bringing uh, the kids in, what do you think are the top three things there or symptoms they're kind of trying to alleviate when they come to see you? Most of the time, the top three would be like ear infections, constipation, and like colic or like inability. They're just fussy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a true colic diagnosis, but they're just not content being awake. Yeah, sure. You know, they don't have a happy time. They're always sad or crying when they're awake and uncomfortable. Yeah. And what are we kind of doing to these children to get them to be happy? <laughs> do I just uh, dangle them by the feet? No, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, so mostly what I do is just assess kind of like what's going on. I check their primitive reflexes. We do a little bit of a neurological exam and like muscle tone. You know, I'm looking to see what's going on side to side versus the brain. Yeah. And then I, you really do use like, it's very different than a chiropractic adjustment for an adult. And sure. that's why we go through so much training for it. Okay. Is It's a lot of light touch and kind of press and hold. We call it a sustained contact. So it okay. the same amount as like your finger blanching or like how you test the ripeness of a tomato that's like how much pressure i'm using i know not so you don't break through the skin with that you just like you know gentle um and with kids it's all about their fascial system too it's not necessarily like their bones are hard and yeah we move them sometimes you know like Mm -hmm. but they're kind of pliable too Yeah. yeah so it's about balancing their muscles and their fascia and then helping that kind of stay where it needs to be they're very okay. twisted and kind of in that ball and we yeah. need to help them uncurl. Right. So a lot of it also is what I do is I give the parents home exercises that they can do at home because oh, they beautiful. don't, I don't want them coming in three times a week for me right. to just stretch their baby. It's a yeah. good thing for them to, you know, connect yeah. with the baby too, is that they can do it at home. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful to give people the tools that they need to help themselves as well. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and it's all about being a little bit, doing a little bit frequently, okay. you know, so like the yeah. frequency, it's not like a 20 minute thing that you have to do to the kid. It usually takes about three minutes tops, you know, maybe 60 seconds. Yep. And you just need to do that throughout the day and kind of help yeah. reestablish where they are and re-help kind of like lengthen them out. And some of these issues, if they're left alone, will that persist into like early childhood and... Yeah. Yep. I mean, ear infections are, you know, like you kind of have a peak season of your life for ear infection. And that's because your eustachian tube, the tube that drains from your ears to your throat. Um, When you're a baby, it's more horizontal. But as you grow and get more in gravity, it pulls Mm -hmm. down and just drains down into their throat better. So it's more towards it. Um, so you kind of lose like the that, but sometimes if it's not just that eustachian tube, it's it's actually that the bone is out of place and it's blocking it, then yeah, that would be more helpful to kind of help get it back where it needs to be before okay. they're five. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they'll keep having those reoccurring ear infections or... No and con- And constipation is another big thing that kind of shows up too that they can't really kick, you know, like by themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, those babies need our help. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah, we got to stretch them out from the little ball they come in. Mm-hmm. Squeeze them like a tomato. All right. That's what I got out of this thing. <laughs> How about with their skulls? Those skulls seem to yes. be moving a lot when they yeah. come out shifting. Yes, they are. And I mean, the even like the coning that happens, I feel like that's kind of an amazing process when you have that Truly show up. Is, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like two days later, it's all gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're very pliable until, you know, everything, even up until... I don't even know. I can't give you a timeline on that because yeah, I have like a three-year-old that we're working on his head shape right now. And what that again is it's like very small. The parents have to do a lot of work at home. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are turning to the helmets because it's not, it's a passive way of doing it. You know, like they don't have to do that work. Mm-hmm. It just kind of helps them shape it into the one. But the biggest thing is to keep them off of their backs that, that parents okay. can do, you know, like, cause a lot of times they spend like three hours napping in the car seat. Yeah. Then they have to sleep on their backs 
and then they go into and everything is on the baby's back and then their head just kind of like is melting into the floor and yeah, it has yeah. a flat spot on their back right. um or you know like they have a torticollis which is kind of like a twist and a, a stuckness in their neck so it's turned to the side so the flat spot's kind of on the side of their back um but what you can do with that is yeah a varying position so like on their sides on their tummies yep. and then yes on their backs but not like a three-hour time period all the time sure and yeah. get them out of the containers yeah get them out of those bouncy seats yes right. yeah the bumbos the yep yep yeah because they they do prop them up and they're like oh my kid's sitting it's yeah. like yeah it's sitting but did it get there by itself and yeah. they're like no they just we've taught it to sit yeah. well then yeah. they miss the core development to go from a like laying on their belly position to yeah. a seated position yeah. and they need that in order to crawl so then their crawling is usually delayed. And then that's where we kind of stem back. And how you fix it is you go back to putting them on their belly and learn teaching them how to get from that belly into the seated position and crawling. Okay. It's kind of amazing how naturally the kids just, you know, can teach themselves that. Mm-hmm. You know, first it's on the belly, then it's crawl. And then it's, you know, kind of roll and try to get up to your butt and mm-hmm. then hold yourself on your feet. Right. Amazing process. Yeah. If you just leave them alone, they will do it all themselves. Well, mm-hmm. don't leave them totally alone. No, don't yes, leave the house. You can't no. do that. But So we talked about, you know, you hit around that six month mark. They're sitting <laughs> up. Uh, they're maybe beginning to crawl a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also starting to feed them mm-hmm. real food. Real food. I mean, how important is it to nail that diet down? Um, I would say it's... It's not necessarily the food that you're feeding them that's important. I guess it's it's like you don't have to give them every single food in the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about it's introducing them to the different textures, mm-hmm. um, the different flavors, and, yeah. you know, just kind of like giving giving them a wide range of food to try. Yeah. Um, I did baby led weaning, and that's kind of what I recommend for most people, yep. just because it not only helps them like learn how to pick the food up and put it in their mouth it also teaches them how to swallow so like they actually learn how to swallow bigger pieces of food when they're younger yeah. and i believe that kind of helps later transmit into not choking as bad because mm. you're not just swallowing a liquid puree yeah. for yeah. four months yeah, right. you're actually swallowing something solid and then they kind of go through a weird gag reflex you know like development yeah. mm-hmm. and then they learn it, and then they know how to swallow stuff yeah, yeah. um we also did some baby led weaning with mm-hmm. at least the last two i can't remember with the older one, but um, it sure freaks out our parents' generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they do not enjoy it at all. No. But, man, it's amazing to watch them um, just wrap their heads around picking up that food mm-hmm. and munching on it. Yep. It's amazing. And I mean, they know, they really yeah. Do. And they know when they're done. You don't yeah. have to force feed them no. the whole bottle of whatever. They're right. done when they're done. They eat what you eat. Yeah. You know, like that's what we did a lot of it. It was like what we're eating, we just made more and try, gave it to them to try. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. that part. Yeah. You just feed them what you're eating. Yeah, it's easy. And by the time you're on like the third kid, they could eat dirt. It's fine. Yeah, just whatever. sand from the box is fine. Just find something to munch on, kid. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, as they grow a little older, mm-hmm. it's maybe more important for us to feed them the right foods. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some superfoods for their brain development? superfoods or brain development things with a lot of like fat in them so Hmm. you know like if you could get them to eat salmon or smoke salmon that would be amazing um just because that helps with their brain development and a lot of kids don't have they don't have the good fats they have the bad fats from the french fries and the cooking oils and everything that but they don't really get the good fats in their diet as much and Hmm. it's really hard for them to take omega 
vitamins. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> they hate them. You know, you can hide them in so many things and it still doesn't taste very good. Yeah. Um, and, the f- and I might be wrong here, mm-hmm. but I stored this fact in my brain somewhere. And like the animal fats and fats are a carrier for nutrients, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like if we eat the animal fats, it turns into our own fat. No, it's a good building block for cholesterol, which is a okay. huge building block for all of your hormones. Okay, all okay. of your hormones stem from the same molecule of cholesterol. So mm. you need cholesterol. Yeah. You just don't eat as much as everybody's eating. And gotcha. you need to be able yeah. to use the cholesterol that you are eating. So like movement, working yep. out, you know, using yep. your body. Yeah. That will help pull the cholesterol from the blood that's just floating around there. Cool. Yeah, I think it's important to focus on um, trying to help these kids develop their mushy brains. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why we keep going back to that. But, <laughs> the mushy brain thing? But I'm, yeah. it's just interesting watching them grow, and you can kind of watch as their brain develops. And yeah. it keeps going. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the male population, it's in the early 20s, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure mine finished. But... <laughs> <laughs> um. So that was another topic I wanted to discuss with you, Caitlin, is that the kids a lot now, and you know, we had video games and TV and things, Mm -hmm. but it seems like that stuff is so much more easily accessible now for these kids to grab. I mean, by the time they're two years old, they know how to run a cell phone Mm -hmm. or an iPad. Um, They still have trouble with TV remotes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the touch screen seems to be intuitive to them. How do you think that affects their cognitive growth with how much these kids are spending on the screens now? Oh, I think it, um, when you watch a screen in your, in a lot of parents' mind, it's their time for the kids to relax, like a screen mm-hmm. in front of them. They're not doing, they're not moving, yeah, you know, they're right, sitting right. still. They're like zoned in. It's a like lot a of, pause button. Yes. Right. And so a lot of parents assume, you know, they're relaxing, they're getting their rest time. Yep. Um, their brain is just firing like crazy. Oh, yeah. So when they turn that off, a lot of times either A, you get a lot of pushback because you cut it off. Yep. And then they turn into like these wild creatures oh, that yeah. run around. Yeah. Um, and so their brain never got a rest period. Okay. The rest period for the brain usually happens when they're bored or they have nothing really to do, or they're kind of like zoned into something and they're just playing quietly. That's like mm-hmm. rest time for sure. the brain. Yeah. Um, so the the TV doesn't do any help with that by having it in front of them. It makes their brain fire and work a lot. And okay. mostly the right side of the brain, which is kind of like the wild, you know, like brain. Yeah. Okay. It turns them into wild animals. It does. Yeah. Like, we discussed that once. Very predictably. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so what I, we, our rule of thumb in our household is we don't do TV before school. Um, because there's just too much, they would get too wild before they go to school. They also don't get sugar before school. Yeah. So like a big thing is no sugar, no TV before school. And I mean, we have older kids, so they are, they kind of understand that five and seven. So they kind of get like, they, we don't do that. It's a school day. It doesn't happen. Um, the other big thing that Ryan and I decided when we were in college still, uh, we don't have TV. So, um, grandma, our grandma, Ella lives with us. And and so she actually has a TV in her space, but otherwise there's no TV in like our living room or our living area and our bedrooms. Um, and we kind of pulled that out and we didn't do cable after we, we were in New Zealand for about six months and they just, you know, we went from college where you have a TV in everybody's room and then you move to New Zealand. There's like one TV in the main room of the common area and it had rugby on. So if you don't watch okay. a rugby, I don't know what you're watching. Or cricket. There's okay, those sure. are the two. Yep. 
And so we kind of like lost it. And then we're like, you have so much time to do all these other things. Oh, yeah. So let's keep it up. And then we also didn't, we were poor. We didn't want to spend money on the $150 Mm -hmm. of cable a month. So when that kind of decided, then we were able to pull it out of our life. And so for us, TV is not, I mean, it's not a big part of our life. So what I always kind of coach parents on is like 20 minutes is kind of the max, especially for young kids. Now, I know the really hard part is like through the COVID pandemic, everything went online. So like the older kids, the teenage kids, it's very hard to get them to do only 20 minutes. Half of their school is online. So they're always staring at a screen. Yeah, right. And then they have their cell phones. That counts as screen time. So it's like that just adds up in itself too because people are out on their phones like five, six, seven hours a day. Yeah. Um, So you just kind of have to be slowly cutting them back from those. Um, The younger kids are obviously more easy to like handle. You also can have timers on your iPads or phones and something where you can see what they're actually doing on that. Yep. What else can we be doing with these kids to help them along in their journey? I mean, yeah, definitely I, daily physical activity is a huge thing, right? Which definitely. isn't hard when they're young. That's I mean, what they want to do. <laughs> All they want to do is just run. Run. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. I noticed too with our oldest one that she just absolutely loves books. Oh, yeah. And that seems like that's a positive, even from an early age, mm-hmm. to be reading. What are they learning from you reading a book to them? They're expanding their vocabulary and... Yep, yep, all that kind of stuff. They kind of have that connection with you too. They really like that. And I think that kind of fills their bucket is because you're sitting down and you're 100% focusing on this right, co- like right. activity together. Yep. Um, so you're giving them that like, you know, 15 minutes of like good love time. Yep. And um, I, yeah, the vocabulary is huge. And you actually can see the people who read to their kids. Like if you sit in a room full of children... And then sit down and start reading. The people who get read to or the kids that get read to kind of like congregate, like they stop what they're doing and they come around oh, you and like, oh, sure. what, what are we doing yeah, over yeah, here? Yeah. And sit, I'll sit by you. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Take me on an adventure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think I read that um, the biggest factor in successful people is that they were read to. I mean, that was mm-hmm. the only thing that was really tried and true was that they were read to as read kids. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, regularly. Yeah, and I think that also, that's, I think it's, I've read that too, bigger in like the more successful people, they read books, they don't watch TV. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's so fast, you can expand expand your own vocabulary and, and gain so much more knowledge by reading than you can watching videos. Oh, man. Unless you're trying to fix your vehicle. Yeah, then <laughs> you need the YouTube. Yes, yeah. then you gotta have it. And that's something that there is a lot of stuff to read about um, rearing children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do we believe, Caitlin? Well, I like Janet Lansbury. She has a podcast called Unruffled, Mm, and she has two books, um, mostly because we're kind of still in that age group of, like, toddlers. Um, So they do, her one book was called Toddler Discipline Without Shame, and then I think she has No Bad Kids. Um, Those are her two big ones. And then I also read, the other two ones that I really like is, like, It's Okay to Go Up the Slide, and um, You Don't Have to Share. I think it's something like that. Okay. So... Very, it's called renegade parenting. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm yes. a bit of a renegade myself. Uh-huh. Yes, that was great. Mm-hmm. I barely make them follow any of the rules. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they push the limits daily. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they just got to keep testing. You know, make do. sure that that no is firm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as the kids get a little bit older, they're you know slowly getting into sports mm-hmm. and liking that whole thing. Mm-hmm. What can we do to protect these kids from sports-related injuries? Ooh, I would say varying the sports that they play. 
So a lot of times people put, they choose one sport and they play it. Now you can play, you know, soccer all year long, hockey all year long, um, baseball all year long. You can do all that stuff. But really what they have shown is that if they vary the sport and they give those other muscle parts a rest, um, then you have a more longevity in that child's career. Okay. Yeah. Do they call it like a repetition injury or? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the wordage for it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that would be if you're playing one sport all year long. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get really good at that sport and you become a student of that sport, but you also, I think you have more adaptability and more, you know, like you learn different moves from different sports and all the time. So I think that and if you can incorporate it into your favorite one, then that's a plus for everything. I've heard people mention lately uh, fast twitch muscles and slow twitch muscles. Is this a real thing? This is a real thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So fast twitch muscles are more like for sprinters and long twitch or slow twitch is more like for marathon runners. Okay. And people okay. are kind of born with different ratios of those. So mm-hmm. like you might have a natural ability to be a fast sprinter mm-hmm. and then someone else might have a natural ability to be a, like a marathon or more of a, you know, like a soccer player versus a baseball sprinter. Yeah. You right, know, like right. that too. It seems true because it seems like people are born and are just naturally better at one thing over the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can learn and adapt and, and teach yourself to be a fast switch person or a slow twitch person. Yeah. A it would become a lot of work. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, hard work will get you anywhere, right, Nate? Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got anything rattled around in your noodle? Yeah. I think when we were talking about, we were talking about screen time and stuff, but we were oh, yeah. talking about no sugar and no screen time before school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We found too that if we wake our oldest up, a, just a little bit earlier so she has more time before school mm-hmm. then she's not so pushy on when she has to leave yeah yeah more i don't know if that's like just time to wake up or time mm-hmm. to get her bearings or yeah you know i think you have to learn each kid is different and you yeah, have to learn that's true um like what works well for them you know like i have one that we call him the teenager now because he sleeves in and you have to like roll him out of bed. Okay. <laughs> um, but the other ones kind of pop up at like 6 a.m. And so they yeah. just like, you know, I play uh, card games with our middle child probably every morning that he's up at 6 a.m. We're playing card games cool. on okay. the floor. And I think he needs that connection before he goes off to school. Sure. Okay. Otherwise, he'll just kind of constantly be like, can we play a game? Can we play a game? And I'm like, yeah, we can. We have time. So yeah. we get up a little. He just get, naturally gets up a little earlier than everybody else. Mm. But I think he needs that, too. He needs yeah. that time. That time before he leaves. Otherwise, he gets really upset about that transition from home to school. Yeah. And it might come out in a whole bunch of different ways, but... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Manifest <laughs> in some different ways. <laughs> Something will come. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Why does sugar affect these kids so much? Well, they, they say it's like alcohol to their brain. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, that's what it is. And it really... I mean, sometimes you can even tell in their eyes, it's like they dilate. And then you're like, oh, wow, you're... You had a lot of sugar today already. Sugar drunk. Mm-hmm. Sugar drunk, yeah. It's is like it? a chemical reaction going on up there? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And they have smaller bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think they, they, don't, yeah. they don't really eat a lot of sugar. Yeah. You know, like, right, right. and then you give them like a whole bunch of it. It's off to the races. wild animals. Mm-hmm. The brain goes mush and away they go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, don't, I was thinking about the, along the sugar lines, like what else can you, how can you like add the good healthy foods that you want your kid mm-hmm. into their diet? Um, how we snuck it in a lot of the times with smoothies oh, yeah. and or soups. Yeah. Um, Cause you can like blend broccoli into the broth and yep. then they don't know they're even eating it. But broccoli yep. is actually one of my boys' favorite foods yeah, okay. of vegetables. Yep. Um, 
I also give them a choice. So like they have to choose a vegetable and so they can have, you know, like carrots or broccoli. Um, usually it has to be cooked carrots so that they won't eat it, but I'm like, I can steam those. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then giving them that variety of like cook, you know, steam them raw, try sauteing them in different things, butter, you know, avocado oil, adding spices to them and just giving them the presentation and always having it available. Um, one of the things that I just found with them is if I cut the vegetables up and pull them out of the fridge and just put them on the counter and open the thing, it's already cut up. Then they like actually like eat them just like just snack. randomly as a snack, sure, you know, yeah. like so after school, the vegetables are always on the counter yep. and they can have them. Right. Yeah, a lot of it they probably learned from us too. So as yes. much as we can limit having that bad stuff, sugary stuff in the house, which we don't need either. <laughs> no, <laughs> if, if we can limit that being around and <laughs> and them watching us snack on that stuff is probably good too. Yeah. And I found out too if I explain to the kids why we eat the foods that we eat and how they can benefit us, um, it seems to stick right in their brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is yeah. how I get big and strong, right, Dad? Yeah, yeah. right, kid. Yep. yep. Yeah, there was like a uh, picture going around like Instagram and it had like the colors of the food and what why you would eat them. Hmm. You know, like the carrots, I always, something that like could click with people too is that if you look at the food, what it's shaped like is usually what it helps. So like a carrot looks like an eyeball if you cut it in, uh, you know, oh, so yeah, carrots are good for your eyes hmm. and you can point that out to them. Um, you know, walnuts look like brains. So walnuts are good for your brain. Yeah. They're good brain food. They have a lot of good health, those healthy fats that we talked about. Okay. How about as far as fruits go? I mean, they have oh, a lot yeah. of naturally occurring sugars. They do. And I, I mean, I would say my kids eat a lot of fruit too, but, and I think I'm fine with that being the sugar that they eat of the day, yeah. as opposed to even like carbs, which turn into sugar, break down to be simple carbs, break down into sugar in your body too. Mm. Um, and, or like corn syrup, you know, like yeah. I really take fruit over everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, corn syrup and anything you want to eat anymore. It <laughs> is, yeah. You have to really look hard. <laughs> it's so unnatural, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My kids eat a lot of carbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like pasta's like the... Oh, uh, man. <laughs> ravioli, spaghetti, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lasagna. Yep. Those kids will climb over me to get to that stuff. Oh, they love it. They do like the, the simple carbs. That's I think like the cheese and the bread, like is a key you know like food in a lot of kids diets and um it's very hard to transition away from that yeah um so what sometimes if you just don't even introduce it to them that was like the best but like having 2020 sight on that is always better but they i think the um how i what i do to kind of help them learn about new vegetables is i give them vegetable they're going to eat and then i offer them a different vegetable like Peas is a big one. Green beans. Sometimes I can get my kids to eat green beans. I have two of them. Two of the three will eat those. Okay. But for sure, they'll eat broccoli. So I'm always like, okay, if I need you to eat something green today, we're going to have broccoli. And then I will give you something else to try. Yeah. How did broccoli get such a bad rap? I don't don't know. know. They all like it. They do like it. The two that can talk Mm -hmm. tell me they like broccoli. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know who made that up. Um, So Vinny's like a year and a half and he seems to go more based on texture than he does taste mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel good on his tongue he'll just throw it okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't get yeah. it. so he eats the oddest things and oh, then he yeah. throws the other stuff he'd be like i thought he'd like that mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. well think about the texture of broccoli that would feel really funny on your if you don't have any taste with it you know like yeah. just closing your eyes and plugging your nose and tasting it it yeah. would it would taste very funny mm-hmm. so smooth they like warm smooth food and mm-hmm. what is that that's pasta and cheese yeah. And, yep, yeah. yep. So usually cooking vegetables or steaming them kind of helps them get it, you know, like a taste for it. Okay. 
Why do you think physically we like the, <laughs> the cheese and the pasta better? I mean, it's like comfort, man. Comfort mm-hmm. foods. Yeah. Well, it's not naturally occurring, so it's not like our bodies would. Yeah. Yeah, like they say you're attracted to fruit by the color of it. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Like your body tells you what color you should be eating. <laughs> but then poisonous frogs are also the same color. Yeah, don't eat those. <laughs> There's holes near logic. <laughs> I don't know where I read that one. Oh. So, Caitlin, I have read and listened to a few things on the relationship between like physical activity and cognitive decline, and that was, you know, the 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 best way to fight cognitive decline is with physical activity. Mm-hmm. So, is that also equal on the other side of the spectrum uh, as the kids grow, or as any of us grow? Um, is physical activity building those? synapses in our brain and helping that along yes exactly yeah and um a lot of stuff with the brain and the like the nervous system is if you don't use it you lose it Mm -hmm. so if you're not walking the brain's not firing those synapses so you're gonna have a hard time walking okay um and if you're not moving your body or you know like doing any lateral movement if you're just walking in a straight line that also kind of like impairs it so like yeah if you can do a variety of different activities throughout the day Um, But even if you can't, the biggest thing that you can do is just to start walking, you know, like, and uh, if you're and the other big thing is if you're consistent with it. So like choose something that you can just slide into your day and then do it every day. Okay. Yeah. I think so often people get discouraged because it's like, I don't have time to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't have equipment to do that. But it's mostly a case of do what you can when you can. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, just do something. Yes, exactly. And fit it in. Yeah, so that's how it helps your brain is that it takes brain power to make your body move? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you have to, your brain has controls everything. So it's got to say, flex mm-hmm. this muscle, push off this toe. When you actually are in a mid-stry, you're balancing or you're kind of on both of your feet. Yeah. Um, so it has to be able to balance and has to feel where your body is in space. So mm-hmm. actually just the act of walking is very, you know, brain power heavy. Hmm. And are you read on... Uh, like the respiratory system and breathing yeah. because I had listened to a man the other day <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I have to fact like everything I listen to I, I, fa- I have Caitlin fact check now sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so when you get a side pain when you're running okay, okay. Uh, he had attributed that to just your breathing rhythm being off mm-hmm. and he said that I forgot what they call it but in that naturally you'll take like two Two inhales through your nose and then mm-hmm. breathe through your mouth, just naturally trying to clear out carbon monoxide, dioxide. The one of the carbons. Yeah. <laughs> lesser, lesser of the evils. I don't remember. Yeah. Carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yep. Monoxide comes out of the tailpipe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> dioxide comes out of your lungs. You're also going to want to breathe that uh, out. But anyways, though. he said if you you can sort of get rid of that side split by just a quick breathing exercise. Does any of that make any sense? That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, definitely. When you are in that position with the side, like hurting, you're probably also taking very shallow breaths mm. and or you have a like a tension or a torsion in your thoracic spine, which is where your ribs are. And that might be causing it too. So there's a couple like different things. But if you could take a deeper, fuller breath and or kind of help your body reset um, by taking those two inhales to really help get it all out, then it might calm its system down. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's a huge, like, breathing exercises are coming up, and, like, huge to be able to transition your body into a more parasympathetic state. 
And that's what I work on a lot of times with clients is that's what my technique is all about is trying to get their nervous system to be more parasympathetic dominant, which is your rest and digest side of your nervous system. So we as people who walk around, yeah. we mostly are in a sympathetic state, which is our fight or flight. We're in stress, um, but we don't have tigers chasing after us like normal. It's no. all stress in our mind. Mm. You know, it's like stuff that we carry, the worries, the anxious, anxious thoughts, the depression. Yeah. All that kind of stuff is in your mind and it just keeps there and it never leaves. So how does someone transition out of that state? It's by activating your parasympathetic system. So a lot of breath work has been thrown to kind of do that. A big oh. one is community. Um, so if you have a good support system or if you have a community that you can turn into and or if you just gather into a community, um, that's a big one too to kind of help you get that parasympathetic system going. Yeah, we had been talking to a friend about some of this stuff and... You know, we had mentioned that it's beneficial to take a step back and look at the problem uh, to help you find a solution or to detach from it in some way. Mm -hmm. But also that takes you out of that fight or flight, right? To mm -hmm. take a step back, to detach from that stuff can get you out of some of those thoughts? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. breathing and deeply so that you get diaphragmatic breathing actually activates your like vagus nerve so that's a big nerve that comes from your brain goes all the way down kind of like your body into your diaphragm and into mm -hmm. your digestion and it's a huge parasympathetic nerve mm -hmm. so like getting that that like mind body gut connection to kind of happen yeah. breathing is a good way to kind of tap into that and to feel your body in space so like step back from the situation reconnect on where you are physically in space so movement that's why a lot of people say movement is medicine or meditative yeah. um, because you can actually you use those muscles so that you can feel your body because a lot of us are just kind of disconnected and all in our heads so yeah. taking that first step or moving what, what kind of reaction are we having there are we sitting? getting out of fight or flight then yeah by choosing a path mm -hmm. by making movement mm -hmm. then your oh. brain is no longer battling on whether we're fighting or flighting because we're flighting we're moving you're moving yeah mm -hmm. yeah a lot of meditation is breathing right mm -hmm. that's how people get into that state. being yep aware of your yeah awareness of your breath and yeah. you're yeah trying to get your mind to focus on one thing and training it to that like a lot of people assume meditation is you have no thoughts in your mind and yeah you're supposed to or it'll happen it'll get to that state yeah. but to get to that state you have to train it to focus on the one thing and yeah. then all of a sudden once or while you're focusing on that one thing then nothing will come um, which a lot of people, they get really discouraged with meditation because it's like I sit there and I have a laundry list of things going through my mind and that's what meditation is. Sometimes no. it's like that and yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like, yeah, I did it for like 30 seconds today. Yeah. I got it. I breathed in my nose, yeah. out my nose and I got it for 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's a, a small success, but that is what it is. And if you consistently do it, it's all about practicing it every day because then when you have something stressful come up or if you say you have an anxious thought and you're like, okay, this, now I'm going to practice what I've been doing and take that thought and get it out of my mind. I don't need to think about that anymore. Yeah, it's almost like let the thought happen, but then yes. also just let it go. Yeah. Just let it keep going. Don't, mm -hmm. don't latch on to it. And it's hard to do that when you're in a, an, um, in a state of stress. Yeah. So yeah. it's better to practice when you're not stressed so that right. your body has those tools. So then when something comes, you can you know, tap into that. You're prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, you know, so often when you're in sports, people talk about being in the zone. Do you think that's along the same lines as meditation? Mm -hmm. They have to be able to block something out and focus on one thing. Yeah. Okay. So focusing singularly on whatever the activity is that it's, you're doing yeah. is what's getting you into that state. 
Yeah, is is mm-hmm. meditation, you know? So like that's sure. why movement or, you know, like if you, they do walking meditations is what it's called, where you just kind of walk in a path. Sometimes it's a circle or a labyrinth or something along those lines. Yep. And you're just focusing on my body and what um, it feels like, how I'm moving. And that's your one thing you're focusing on. So that's your meditation. Hmm. Have you ever done a float tank? I have not. I have Oh, that would one. be, yeah, you I would pr- do that. You probably have the same worries though that you're maybe too tall for it I probably am, yeah. that's what i <laughs> worry about I, f- I feel like if i just float in one i'd be my head would be running to one end yeah. and my feet the other and it would you know yeah not totally work. not work <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yep, yep too tall and they're usually round i don't even think you can go in there diagonally no oh, right yeah. you can't go corner to corner <laughs> yeah, like right. your bed yeah dang it mm-hmm. there yeah. is one in stillwater though i had that friend that just did it and okay, she okay. she liked it but she said she was in there for an hour and that was too long she's not a water person oh, so she's no, like okay. laying in a th- something for an hour was just yeah. too long for me but yeah well, she can get out, right? Do they lock you in? Oh, yeah. I hope she can. I mean, I think she just was there doing it and like, oh, I'll just stay in here. And like yeah. nobody told it. You don't have a watch on. No. Right. Yeah. You're <laughs> supposed to like, lose track of time. Kind it's of, just right? yeah. meditative. I feel like if I took an hour away with uh, an hour away from all three kids, I would just fall asleep in there instantly. Yeah. <laughs> and then drown or something. Yeah, yeah. That would be terrible. <laughs> Would it though? <laughs> yeah, you're going to go face up when you go in there. Yeah. Don't just die. That's what, that's what I was doing wrong. Yeah. Oh, man. There was something about that. Uh, remember that super quiet room too? That somewhere in Minneapolis. It's supposed to be like the quietest room in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know about that. I've never heard to, it. I think you're supposed to really dive into your own brain at that point. Yeah, that's what they say. That most people can't stand it in there very long. Yeah, with that much quietness, I imagine you would just hear everything that's going on inside of you. Yeah, your mm-hmm. heart beating. Right, right. Your stomach gurgling. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Your nose whistle. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they give you tissues before you go in. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, so you don't have a nose muscle. <laughs> so, Caitlin, um, we talked when children are in the womb. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere that you're supposed to play music, yeah. classical music or any kind of music, I suppose. Or Yeah, I mean, any kind of music would be fine, but yeah. they do. Most of the studies are based on classical music. And what are the benefits there? Um, it's mostly about kind of like it's vibrational the frequency of the music it kind of helps with their brain like waves and development um and different beats and different you know like frequencies or vibrations of music stimulate different parts of their brain the left and the right side is mostly a left and right hemispheres of the brain um but in the general like gist of it for some reason all of the classical music really helps with just like general brain you know boosting okay um when i work with kids that have like a hemisphere discrepancy or a disconnection between the two of them we just play it quietly in the background hmm. and that kind of helps them like it helps them kind of calm down and get into their bodies but so like if you're doing it in utero you're kind of training that baby you know like this is a happy like safe space okay. um and then also letting them kind of be just become familiar with it um and then that way when they're out of the womb you could play that song and sometimes they'll just calm down you know, like oh, they yeah, always okay. said, like, you know, like having the dad read a story to them and then that consistently throughout their pregnancy, when they come out and the dad reads the story to them, the baby recognizes that. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the tones and the inflection and the voices. And yeah. 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 Because inside it's a vibration and outside it's a vibration too. Mm-hmm. It's just, just a little different, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Is there, and when they get a little older, we introduce them to playing instruments too. Yeah. Is that 
brain development as well? Yeah, well, what I've heard and what I've read is that like playing instruments or playing the piano helps with like math skills or reading skills. Okay. And those are like the big two that they kind of watch, you know, with all the testing that they do with the kids. Okay. Um, and that's what they kind of pull from is that if they learn how to read that, that also helps with that like cognitive skill of doing the reading and the math. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I have an app that I use that's called the Calm app. And they have meditations on it for kids and adults. And they also have things called sleep stories. Um, and that's what I put turn on when I put our seven-year-old down so he can just listen to it and fall asleep. But they also have stuff for adults on it, which I think is super awesome because sometimes adults wake up and they can't fall back asleep. Um, they have vibrations and like frequencies and tones. And then they have music. And then they also have just stories that they mm. can play. Okay. Yeah, I think you turned us on to that. App. We, yeah, because yeah. we would play those for the kids, and they absolutely love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not like super suspenseful stories. They're no. supposed to be like Very really calm. You calm, you know, yeah. like you're just listening to someone talk, and it's kind of like, med- you know, calming. And they, she also has um, a daily meditation on it. So like if you're mm-hmm. looking for something, because some people can't just, you know, like if you're like, I'm just trying to sit here and meditate, <laughs> and yeah, they're yeah. like, this is not working. Yeah. <laughs> um, guided meditation is a good way to get into it also. So she does every single day, she sends out a daily meditation or on the app, it's on there. And it's usually like 10 minutes long. And she talks you through a whole bunch of different like topics and stuff. And then she gives you like probably like two minutes to do sit quietly but thinking on whatever topic that she was talking about. So that would be your focus. Yeah. And then she brings you out of it. So like, it's again, training your brain to get into that state. And a yeah. lot of people also think I have to do it in the beginning of the day. You don't yeah. have to do it any time of day that you can fit it in is the best time of day to do it. Yeah. And you want to be prepared to be able to do it any time of day, right? Yeah. I mean, whenever that stressful situation gets you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So parenting is a stressful situation mm-hmm. <laughs> for at least 18 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can only speak about, you know, parenting young kids because that's what we've got now. But um, when we're feeling stressed as parents, meditating, we talked about this, mm-hmm. physical activity. Mm-hmm. You teach some yoga classes. I do. Does this tie those two things together? Yes. Yoga is just meditation with movement. Okay. And yoga is actually the, if you look at the grand, like the eight limbs of yoga, the practice of yoga, the asana is actually to prepare you to meditate. So you're supposed to move your body before you meditate. Okay. okay. So a lot of times that you can kind of tap into being into a meditation is adding it into the end of your workout. So like, let's say you go, you go work out. Um, all you do is sit down in the middle I know, and I know this is a lot and I know it's like a little weird, yeah. <laughs> but sit down in the middle of the gym, not in the gym, but like on the corner on the side, put your headphones on so nobody comes and talks to you and like set a timer and sit there for five minutes and do your meditation. Okay. And it could be the guide one. It could just be like, all I'm going to do is breathe here and count to 11 and then I'm going to come back to one. So like that's the one that I like to do that's super easy is like one is inhaling is one, exhaling is two. Yep. And then you count to 11 and then you like restart back up at okay. one. Okay. And so you're just training your brain to like do that. And sometimes you'll end up at like 20 and you're like, oh, wait a second. I'm supposed to stop at 11. <laughs> yeah. Go back to one. <laughs> yeah, Go yeah. back to one. <laughs> well, I was just thinking too that that sounds kind of nice. And I bet, you know, once you get yourself into that five minute meditation, mm-hmm. you're probably wanting to do more. Yeah, it'll it'll grow. It'll you'll be yeah. you'll you definitely want to grow more and more. And it's that's the sometimes like I'll do it in the car for two minutes while I'm waiting to pick up the kids if I'm in the drop off lane because yeah. really you're stuck there for a little bit of time yeah. anyways, mm-hmm. and you don't have them yet, so you can just sit there and just quietly 
try and focus on your breath. Yep. No one's throwing anything at you from the vaccine. No, yet. not yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> and you're going to need all the calmness you can get. That's right. <laughs> Patience is key. Yes, exactly. The other thing I was thinking about for mental health for parents is, um, and I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole, this is new to me, is like showing your emotions in front of your kids okay. um, and describing them to them. Mm. So I haven't really tapped in too much to it yet. Um, we just started, but like the Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown is all about labeling emotions. And I'm not very good at describing personally emotions. You know, like I can say frustrated, angry, and sad. Um, but like she kind of gets a little bit more nuancy with it all. And I'm really excited to learn more about it. But then I'm going to try and teach my kids like yeah. this is what this are you feeling this way or this is what I'm feeling. And then them watching you go through that, you know, like a lot of times we either send them away or we walk away, which is totally fine. If you need a break, you don't step back and take that break. But also tell them I'm feeling frustrated. And sometimes they that's all they need. And they're like, oh. Okay, yeah. I know what that feeling is, yep. and I yeah. will change my ways for you know small amount of time, but at least a little bit to kind of help you out. Yeah, and teaching them that these things are all normal, and you're gonna feel that way. Yeah, you are, <laughs> and you're not yep. weird. No, and you don't need to shut them up, and you don't need to not talk about them. And yeah, right. you know, like energy or emotions is just energy in motion. Yeah. So you're supposed to feel your emotions. You're supposed to like express them, and then you're supposed to let it go. Um, and so that's really. A lot of times we don't do that. We fester on them. We think back to them. We yeah. hold on to it. Yeah. We don't communicate it. Um, and so that's really what I've been trying to do with our children is just like communicate more about what I'm feeling. And then that way they can feel like they can express and communicate it back to me. And we're not just like having blow ups all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to guess what they're. Yes. What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a podcast, um, Jocko Willing's podcast, and he talks about, so he was a Navy SEAL and, you know, he would, he was a leader uh, for a SEAL team and he would lead guys into battle, but also he was a, like a UFC trainer as well. Mm -hmm. And he said a common thing was for guys to get really nervous because of the things that we're about to go do. And them being nervous was making them more nervous. And as soon as he would explain to them that, yes, physically, you're going to be nervous because of what you're about to go do. And just the act of telling them, yes, you're going to be nervous, made them not so nervous anymore nice. because they know they were. that's what was going to happen with their body. And that's what that uh, it was totally normal. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that would be the same with um, talking to your kids about these sort of things is just opening it up and telling them that it is normal is is going to make them feel better mm-hmm. instead of keep packing it away. Until you get those blowouts. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. Blowouts. Blowups. <laughs> um, Blowout is a different different topic. <laughs> <laughs> all the way up the back. Yeah. Down Whoa. to the feet. Oh, not good. Not good. So we're going way off on a limb here, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. But it's something I'm interested in because I hear a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've brought up vibrations a few times. But I've also heard a lot of people saying just connecting with the earth, whether that be barefoot walking outside or mm-hmm. just walking through the woods. You don't have to be barefoot yep. or shirtless. No. Right. No. <laughs> you should always have pants on. Yes. Yeah. But just connecting uh, back with nature. And I think we all feel that. I think when you get out of the city, maybe you go on a hike in the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just feel so much more calm. Mm-hmm. Do you think vibrations play a role there? Because I've heard of some places that will play certain frequencies that are supposed to calm you <laughs> or maybe like oh. the earth has a specific uh, specific frequency, frequency that mm-hmm. they'll play yeah 
the earth does have a yep a specific frequency and also i think that yeah it's all about grounding right so bare you can do barefoot walking in the earth and that will help ground you um but you also can just being out in nature grounds you just in itself yeah. um and this one book that i like it's called the comfort crisis and he talks about how or he did, went into all this research about how if you just go outside and don't have headphones on no music and you just walk outside for like 10 minutes a day your like mental health will increase by so much or whatever it is yeah but he was big on like you can't have music in your ears Mm -hmm. it has to be quiet you're listening to the birds and the trees and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go up hike up barn bluff or you know like billings Tomford or something you don't have to be in the woods you have to be outside around a tree and i think we all can find those so it's just like wandering but also like being able to take that outside and reconnecting with what you know like we're all mammals and humans humans yeah right and a lot of us don't have that connection with the outside in our day-to-day life yeah and there's so many benefits that have been researched on just sunlight in Mm -hmm. itself (laughs) just being outside in natural sunlight Mm -hmm. um, as far as getting your uh rhythms uh in check and vitamin d Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a thing. That's mm-hmm. a thing. From yeah. the sun. But it seems so obvious, but everyone wants to label it hippie stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like, you should, you know, get out of the your house and go <laughs> <Right>. outside. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't put your shoes on. Yeah. Because it's so, I mean, it it seems obvious to us, right? Because when you're in the hustle and bustle or in the city or at work, you're very uptight, you're anxious, you're stressed. But mm-hmm. as soon as you've like you said, no headphones, no distractions, and you just sort of go walk around and look and listen, mm-hmm. you feel better. You feel more calm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know why we fight that so much. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, when the first spring day came too. Oh, oh my man, gosh. did that feel good. That's something I also thought recently was kind of specific to our areas that we get that day, that first 60-degree day full mm-hmm. sunshine. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you live somewhere where it's 70 all the time, do you get that? Are you happy all day like that, or does that wear off? Oh, that wears off for sure. <laughs> gotta be. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you got to struggle through that winter to get that feeling, I think. Yeah. You know? I think so, too. Yeah. And that's something that's also well documented is if you live at the top of the world where you go six months without sunlight, it's very damaging to your mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the opposite with the too much sunlight when it's 24 hours of daylight up there. Then what happens? Anxious? Yeah. Anxiety. I think so. Hard to sleep. Well, yeah, it's going to be hard to sleep. Right. Yep. So just the right amount. It's yeah. Just right. Every, every day and night. I mean, that's everything's a dichotomy, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, Caitlin, do you think we covered all the topics you'd like to discuss? I think so. You've answered yeah. a lot of our questions. Random yeah. questions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe our ignorances have shrunken? Slightly. Yeah, I think so. Good. Or majorly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thanks for coming down. No, thanks for having me. It was super interesting. Mm -hmm. It was. Maybe we'll think of some more topics and have you back. I'll come back anytime. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, Before we do get out of here, Caitlin, how can they find you? If they want the website, it's innovativechirocenter.com. Um, also, if we're on Instagram, it's Innovative Cairo. We also do Red Wing Yoga. That's our yoga sound of uh, side of it, I guess. Okay. But yeah, that'd be the easiest way. And you get your office is downtown. Oh yeah, we're all downtown, right underneath the Red Wing Chamber, um, mm-hmm. just in the basement. So mm-hmm. right across from the YMCA. Is it helpful to be close to the chamber? Yeah, 
any question you need, Marion <laughs> yeah. will answer it to you. <laughs> we can't talk bad about them. We are right underneath them. <laughs> yes. I, I went anyways. I don't no, know why no I said they're that. very helpful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for coming down. Hey, if yeah. you uh, got anything out of this show, if you liked it, please share it. Yeah, tell your buddies. Yeah. That's how we keep this little thing just chugging along. Rate it. Give it a rating. Yep. And this has been Just the Two of Us with me, John. And I'm Nate. Catch you later. Talk to you then. Just the two of us.